On March the 24th, the country went into lockdown and stayed there for weeks and weeks and weeks. Everything you will all give up for the next few weeks, all of the lost contact with others, all of the isolation and difficult time entertaining children, it will literally save lives. Thousands of lives. From today, all non-essential businesses should be shutting up shop. Public venues like gyms, cinemas and food courts must close. Schools will finish up too. Essential services will stay up and running at all stages. That means supermarkets, banks, service stations and couriers, among others. Banned were fishing, hunting, trips to the community gardens and kai gathering. Fruit shops and butcheries were closed. We are all now preparing as a nation to go into self-isolation. No more eating out with friends and colleagues. No dashes to fast food outlets. Remember the panic buying? Our supermarkets are moving quickly to try to stop panic buying as desperate shoppers rush for basic grocery items. Flour flying off the shelves, the surge in people yeah. buying up as much flour as they can has prompted the supermarket chains to remind shoppers that there's no need to hoard this. A spokesperson for Countdown has described the way people are shopping as disastrous. People filled their days at home making their own bread and baking, but they craved their favourite fast food and rushed in as soon as doors reopened. Oh, oh Burgers, yeah, white, hot chocolate, lovely. So, what do you reckon about McDonald's being open again? Oh, yeah, pretty good, eh? Pretty good. Good to have some uh, rubbish foods and, <laughs> and healthy foods. It even got political. Well, it looks a lot like level four, but with KFC, doesn't it? I'm Sharon Brett Kelly. Today on the detail, what the COVID Kai survey revealed about our eating and shopping habits during lockdown, and how people were hooked into junk food. We're in a really stressful period. We need to think about what messages the population's getting. We've got no public health messages going out about healthy eating, but we have a lot of advertising messages going out during that time. And the lasting serious effects. This is a, is a bit of a trajectory New Zealand is on around realising the importance of this, that for our health, beyond just obesity, we need to be thinking about healthy diets for everyone. Dr Sarah Gerritsen is a research fellow at Auckland University's School of Population Health. She headed the COVID-CHI survey as part of an international study across 38 countries led by the University of Antwerp in Belgium. And the results were not what she expected. We started with the hypothesis that eating at home would improve people's diets. Um, our fast food restaurants were shut. Um, you couldn't just nip out and grab food when you wanted it. So we thought based on previous research showing that when people cook at home and when they prepare their food with a bit of thought, which we all had more time to spend on our cooking, that we have healthier diets. So we have increased vegetable intake and less sugar and, and sodium in our foods. So, yeah, we definitely started with the hypothesis thinking, OK, people who are cooking at home more are probably more likely to cook better for themselves and, and eat better. So it was kind of a, a bit of a positive um, thing going into it. Plus there was the sourdough you know, know. thing taken off. We knew that people were looking online for a lot of their inspiration and ideas for what to cook at home. So, What did happy. you find? But we found that overall there was this increase in an unhealthy dietary pattern over this time. So when people looked back and told us what they were eating before lockdown compared with what they were eating during lockdown, they were much more likely to have sugary and salty snacks, 
much more likely to um, drink sugary beverages and also alcohol increase over the lockdown period too. So it was not such a great story, but it is what we're seeing in countries overseas as well. So this has been a really stressful year, you know, and when you're stressed, you react in a way that is perhaps not best for your health. From the questions that you asked, what sort of information did you get back? Yeah, so we asked a 20-item food frequency questionnaire that was developed and tested previously. So this goes through different food items, saying, asking exact kind of before lockdown and during lockdown, so two separate questions, how much of this particular food product did you have? So, um, it's Such quite, as what kind of product? Yeah, so we went through um, everything from vegetables, fruit, um, and then they'd give examples of what were those. Uh, white breads and cereals, wholemeal breads and cereals, and so cereals meaning things like rice and um, other products like that, gra- other grains. And then also, so, so you kind of cover off the basics of, of the whole diet through this, and then you can combine it into a score um, using principal components analysis for those who are interested. But yeah, you create a dietary pattern score for each person in the survey. Were there questions about why people changed their shopping and eating habits? We didn't have exact questions asking why did you do this, because that would be like a qualitative survey where you'd kind of get more, a lot more free text responses, whereas this was a quantitative survey of tick box mm-hmm. um, to try to make it quick for people to do. But what we did have information on was how much stress they were feeling over this time. So we had, um, again, a, a set of questions which is usually used to determine stress levels Um, the Kessler, and we could tell from this that the people who had the most stress were the more more likely to have an unhealthy dietary pattern change, you know, more likely to have this negative change occur for them. People with children at home were more likely to start eating unhealthily, and people who um, were facing financial stress, so had lost income, um, those who'd been in lockdown longest as well, Although most people in the survey had been in lockdown for quite a long time by the time they did it. So we were really catching the end of that level four lockdown and the start of level three. So people had been in lockdown for several weeks. Definitely, yeah. The average day was 40 days in lockdown. So Right. And yeah. by then people were, we're just... getting tired. You know? yeah. yeah. Over it, yeah. bored. Yep. Missing friends, missing family. Exactly, yeah. And it was a really hard time when we look back on it now and think about it. You know, this was quite different than anything else we've ever lived through. And it's interesting because I was speaking to a colleague who's lived through a war and she was saying, you know, I knew what to do. I quickly got into that mode again of, okay, we're going to cook good food, we're going to batch cook, get organised, you know, and she felt she was really prepared for this. I don't think most New Zealanders were in that camp. No. I mean, the interesting thing was internationally there was public health guidance. Now, I don't know what this means. Is it that the WHO sends out a note saying watch out for nutrition levels? Is, is it that kind of thing? Yeah, the WHO had um, some guidance on this to governments saying, you know, try to keep your population eating, having access to healthy foods. There's kind of two reasons. The healthier you eat, 
the more likely you are to have a, to be healthy in general. So it's good for your immunity to try and stop getting COVID. Or, but probably more importantly, once you did develop COVID, you were less likely to have complications and to have a difficult, you know, drawn out long COVID. But then the other reason is that if you eat healthy, you feel better. And I think this is where we saw a bit of a, a downward spiral um, in our you know, population in New Zealand is it's harder to do exercise when you're eating unhealthy. You just don't feel like doing anything except sitting on the couch and watching Netflix, you know. So WHO put out the message internationally, but governments didn't put out any kind of public health messages or our government didn't. No, our government didn't put out public messaging around nutrition. There was a lot on physical activity, um, even some on domestic violence, you know. I think they gave quite a bit of thought to how to keep your population feeling good, like the be kind messages were really important around that. But we didn't see the messaging that was actually done in in other countries, in the US and in um, parts of Europe, where they said, you know, this is a stressful time. Binge eating is a, is a typical response to a stressful environment and comfort eating. So try to think about your diet. Try to think about ways you can um, prepare healthier food for yourself and your kids. Okay, so the US and some European mm. countries did put out that message. Were they part of the survey? I mean, did the survey um, show were. that there was yeah. a difference in those countries where the public health message went out? Well, no, and I think this speaks back to your food environments. You know, what we saw was in those countries, they also had a shift to an unhealthy dietary pattern. So actually, you can tell people to eat healthily. It may or may not land, you know, well and no doubt our government considered that in their messaging. What we really need to think about is what's available for people to eat here. So even though our fast food restaurants were shut for level four, they did reopen in level three and we saw a large increase in being Absolutely. Used. I mean, from midnight on that night, they opened up and there yeah. were queues. So yeah, people were desperate. Yeah, it's been a, been a tough five weeks without KFC. For the last, like, four weeks, mate, it's just been, like... The stuff you buy from the supermarket, you know what I mean? Those ready made meals. My last meal before lockdown, first one back in. Oh, wicked wings for sure. <laughs> wicked wings. Wicked wings. Wicked wings, yeah, bro. That is not a coincidence. They had a huge increase in their social media presence and we're just doing another study on that now. Over that lockdown period, there was so much more advertising of fast food, snack foods, confectionery. You know, we were primed to then hit the streets to grab it as soon as it was available. I've been here for maybe an hour and a half for the drumsticks. We were the first people here in Rotorua and then now we're fourth in line. Okay, it's 5am and you might think this queue of traffic is for the motorway on-ramp, but it's not. This is opening day at McDonald's and we're all here for breakfast. Yowza. Big Mac and one quarter pounder, please. Get two of those dinner boxes, please. And don't also forget that during this time of level four, the supermarkets were open, which do stock a lot of ultra-processed foods. And they still ran, um, you know, bargains on them, end-of-aisle kind of placements, which we know people are more likely to then grab the chocolates or the chippies off the end when they're placed there, the two-for-one deals. And, And they're cheap. Can I ask you about the survey that you're doing now? We have gone 
back to the period from February to May and looked at the social media accounts of all big food and big drinks companies in New Zealand to look at what messages were they putting out over this time period. So how were they using the pandemic to promote their products, basically, which is there was COVID washing, we're calling it, (laughs) and it was quite fascinating. So that paper will come out early next year, and yeah, I'll be keen to talk to you more about that because it is an interesting story. And some food companies, I'm looking at you, fast food, were much more likely to use the pandemic to their advantage. COVID washing. Mm. That's what? So like whitewashing (laughs) something where you try to plaster over all your problems and make it look like you're contributing and helping towards the you know effort against the pandemic putting out health messaging but actually oh, cynical it's it's quite cynical that you're promoting your products and you know getting people to miss miss your products there was a lot of that emotional um you know, drawing on the emotional heartstrings. Oh, we haven't got this and we haven't got that anymore and sad. Given your background and the research that you've done, when this was going on, did you sort of pick it up and were you alarmed by it at all? I was quite surprised that they didn't think about keeping grocery stores open that were the small fruit and veg sellers um, during this time. So they were shut and it was for reasons that they weren't, convinced they could keep them safe. So having um, the right hygiene practices in place that supermarkets had. But I think for future lockdowns, we certainly need to look at keeping those um, butchers, fishmongers and fruit and veg shops open during that time. So that that surprised me. Um, but also that there were no curbs on advertising or delivery of alcohol um, and things like that. It's just like we, we're in a really stressful period. We need to think about what messages the population's getting. We've got no public health messages going out about healthy eating, but we have a lot of advertising messages going out during that time. So, so what know. are you saying? Do you think the government should look at regulating the marketing and advertising? It's very difficult to regulate social media advertising and promotions, So, but it does need to be done. What about personal responsibility, though? Some might argue, well, come on. I mean, we were already under a very regulated system. We will not hesitate to use our enforcement powers if needed. People might say, well, give us a break. Yeah, and, you know... I do have a lot of compassion for and found myself eating a whole lot of things I probably shouldn't have eaten during this time. And, of course, there's a lot of empathy for people who lost their jobs and were really struggling during this period or just feeling uncertain about their workload. So personal responsibility is an important factor and, you know, People do need to take some personal responsibility, but you know, even with all the knowledge I have, I found it difficult to resist. You're wanting to give your kids a treat during this time. They're not, you know, they're not coping well. We're not coping well. Of course, we're going to reach for comfort in binge foods. But the fact is what is available in your environment is what you're going to eat. And unfortunately in New Zealand, we know from previous research that what's available in our environment is foods that are not great for us. Vegetables are still quite expensive compared to 
the options of chippies and things like that for snacks. So it's kind of not surprising that we saw it really. Can you talk about the psychology behind why we change our eating habits, why we reach for the, for the junk food at times like this? Well, I'm not a psychologist. I'm a sociologist. So I study more um, food environments than than individual kind of responses to this. But I just from my own personal experience, I know it's it's kind of like food becomes um, definitely a comfort in times of stress. But then also you hark back to your childhood and what made you feel good then. And, you know, a lot of us were brought up with McDonald's parties being a great thing and you know birthday parties with having access to KFC regularly as a family treat you know this idea of what's a treat is really ingrained in our culture in New Zealand and to change that we need to really start in early childhood you know start thinking about when do we introduce these foods to children try to make it a little bit later so they at least have time to develop food preferences for other core food groups like fruits and vegetables but then also when we introduce them trying not to attach this meaning to some foods over others as being really great for you or a really great as a family to indulge in and eat um, so that instead all food is kind of normalized as just being actually this is what you need for healthy growth and development is just a wide range of foods and unfortunately our balance is just out at the moment. Yeah so I looked around at the media coverage of this because because it was an international survey and quite a lot of it was fairly light, pretty fluffy. Does that worry you? It does as a public health nutritionist. I Yes, we need to give much more emphasis to the importance of this. This isn't just a, oh, well, isn't that funny? We all put on five kgs. We know from research, it's actually really hard to lose weight once you put it on as an adult. And, you know, what are the two biggest health issues in New Zealand currently? Mental health and obesity. So let's actually give nutrition its its place at the table of being something that is a human right. Is there any evidence that we've gone back to our pre-COVID habits, our pre-lockdown habits? Yeah, there's not a lot of data out yet about whether or not these changes in our dietary pattern are sustained. So are we still having an unhealthy dietary pattern even though we've come out of lockdown? So we, the answer is we just don't know. And data collection on nutrition in New Zealand is not great. We haven't had a nutrition survey, which is when you properly evaluate the whole of a person's diet since oh my goodness 2002 for children 1997 for adults so we really need a repeat of a national nutrition survey but what we've got instead is this the health survey which does collect kind of more indicators of vegetable and fruit intake and indicators of um, fast food and sugary drinks intake but it it's not a complete dietary analysis so we can't tell if New Zealanders are even eating healthily or not, to be honest. So really, we we don't know. And we're heading into the, well, we're in the silly season. And, you know, that's just advertising bombarding us all the time to buy, buy, buy more foods, which, and again, this word treat, treat ourselves um, at Christmas. lockdown period did show up the problems in our food system. 
people were just living above the breadline. Quite clearly, a lot of families that then suddenly couldn't access enough or yeah, just any food. Um, we had problems, obviously, with the supermarkets keeping their shelves restocked, but we didn't run out of food as a country, and that was a positive thing, right? We we can actually feed ourselves. It's about making sure we continue to have the access for the right people to that food. And so there has been some thought given to how we can encourage and empower communities to step up in these crises in future. Um, so a bit more funding going into things like food banks. And our food bank use really spiked mm. during COVID. That was incredible. But the, you know, that's a, a short-term fix. We need to be thinking bigger here about how do we improve our food system to, um, to make sure this affordable, healthy food is available to everyone. We do have some great markers of food insecurity in this project. So we collected information about whether families were struggling to actually eat anything at all, um, both pre-lockdown and during. So we're now going to have a student look through that data and see if there was a link with um, the nutrition of these families and how their experiences was. Because we know some New Zealanders struggle a lot more than others around food. So for those families, when they had this increased stress of the pandemic, how did they cope when they were already having trouble paying for food? When, when you say food insecurity, what does that actually mean? Yeah, so food insecurity means you can't access the food that's needed to survive, basically. So in, in a culturally acceptable and way. So if you're using food banks regularly, that's not being food secure because you're having to access it in a way that brings shame and stigma. If we go into another lengthy lockdown period... What could be done better in terms of our access to a variety of food? I think there is great discussions going on currently around a national food strategy, and this will be feeding into it, these kind of ideas around what should we do post-COVID. And also with the economic recovery, you know, how do we ensure our exports and imports um, continue to happen? That's it for today. I'm Sharon Brett-Kelly. The detail is brought to you by newsroom.co.nz and made possible by RNZ and NZ On Air. You can get us downloaded free to your mobile device every weekday from any podcast platform. And if you're using Apple, leave us a rating so other people can find us too. Adrian Holley engineered this episode. Alexia Russell was the producer. And thanks to Sarah Gerritsen. Kaikite anō.